I think we already started. Um, all right, everyone, we are back and we are here with Ralph Ciencio, um, realtor, entrepreneur, friend, dad, uncle, son. Yes, I could be a son. I could be. I'm someone's son. Hopefully, you're someone's yeah. son. Um, how are you today? I'm excellent. Ex- excellent. Excited to be behind the camera, to be sitting on the couch here with you. I'm a huge fan. Been <laughs> listening to every podcast uh, that you've put out there, and I think you guys are onto some great things. Favorite episode? Um, I don't. I don't know how to call them by episodes. I remember the people because they all blur together. F- to be honest with you. Favorite stranger. Um, our most impactful stranger. I I, th- I I think, and I wish I remember her name. Uh, the girl who lost her brother. That Lisa. was Lisa. That was impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like she was starting off a new chapter, leaving from like Western Canada, I don't know, Alberta mm-hmm. or somewhere like that, and then coming to uh, to Toronto. It's crazy. And like yep. starting a university is crazy. But I could really, I could see myself through her eyes in the sense of when she got there and she went to university, she felt like, oh, these are my people. Mm-hmm. And I felt the same way. I mean, I went away to university and that was... Uh, what university? I went to Guelph, University of Guelph. Where so I moved from Markham to Guelph. And I, I literally, I broke up with my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Um, but literally the day that I was leaving, like she came, and I, like I was such an asshole. Um, I, I, she came to like see me off and I pulled her to the side of my house. And I'm like, you know, I think, uh, I, I think that we should approach university differently. I, I think we should break up. You and did it on the day you were leaving? Yeah. I was, I was like, so you guys had no like time to really sit down and talk about it? No, it was very – but I did it. I, I sincerely did it for her because I know that she's more introverted than I am and I knew that I was going away and I knew that I would have a social life in university because I was away and I was living on campus and she was staying home and going to York. And I thought, if we stay together while I'm away, you're going to be literally at home waiting for my call and that's not going to be a great university experience for mm-hmm. you. Like, I want you to go to pub nights. I want you to like meet people in, in the calf or in the library. Like, like I want you to meet to meet new friends, right? I don't want her to meet a new boyfriend, but I want her to meet new people in her life. Mm-hmm. And um, either way, we years broke up. later now, does she still think you're an asshole for it? Yeah, she well, she thinks I'm an asshole for different reasons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, some are warranted, some are not. But uh, you know, the way that I, I we ended up dating uh, through university, oh. and I treated that kind of like a football player. Uh, you know, they'll spend time in the gym working on you know throwing. They'll spend another day working on sprinting, and they'll work on plays. All these different elements of a football game, mm-hmm. and they'll practice and train on it. While I was away at university, I treated it as this is my time. You know, to, to, to work on my loyalty to my wife, uh, my communication skills to my wife, to have a relationship that didn't involve any physical nearness whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then now being married 15 years, um, you know, it's helped because we communicate well um, and we can we can work, uh, work our relationship a lot better. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's my my experience. But so yesterday you, you was your birthday yeah sunday was his birthday hey we're birthday buddies Nove- november babies that's um, exciting so your birthday was yesterday and i think it's a perfect time can i say how old you are yeah sure four you, decades four decades he's old. two decades two decades i'm double you double you i'm yeah. like i'm like the double you yeah um west so, side <laughs> west side <laughs> four decades I think it's a perfect time to reflect on yourself and your success and your road to success. So how about you start off by telling the people your story, who you are, what you do, and how you've got to where you are? Uh, well, that's a, that's a loaded question. That's a big story. I, um, uh, you know, I would say from a professional perspective, because you can look in different lenses, right? And that's, I guess, maybe one of the first things I would say is you can define yourself so many different ways. Mm-hmm. You can define yourself professionally. You can define yourself by your hobbies. You can define yourself by your, your successes. You can define yourself by your failures. Mm-hmm. Entirely up to you, right? So when people say define yourself, you can tell a lot about a person when you see how they define themselves, mm-hmm. right? Because that's generally what they think is most important. Yeah. But if we're talking about you know a professional context, um, so I grew up in a family business. My parents owned a ceramic tile company. And uh, so I, I grew up just, you know, doing whatever needed to be done to help the family get through, a, you know, a tough part of the 90s. And um, so I grew up as a laborer in my dad's ceramic tile company. And, and, and tiling is, is, can be laborious. Uh, and, of course, the bottom of the, you know, ladder, I had to do the heaviest and hardest things. Mm-hmm. 
so I remember at the age of 15 being out and mixing cement with my brother, um, you know, 40 degree heat, middle of the summer, and, you know, just sweating like crazy. And this fancy car pulls up and this, you know, sharp looking guy with a white shirt and khaki pants, which is just so you know, it's the universal sign of I don't want to get dirty. So when you show up to a construction site with a white shirt and oh, khaki yeah, yeah, pants, yeah. it's like, I'm not here to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to watch people do things. Mm-hmm. So that guy would show up with a nice coffee in his hand at, at 10 o'clock. And I said, you know, one day I want to be, you know, the jerk that shows up at 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. not the monkey that shows up at 6 o'clock to mix cement. So I knew from the age of 15 that I wanted to buy, build, and sell homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for anyone watching this this uh, or listening to it, I would say never underestimate what uh, a 10 or a 15 or a 20-year-old is thinking because they can shape their lives and they can impact the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was at that exact time, um, I was in high school and I was selected by our, our guidance counselor to, uh, to represent our school, Father Michael McGivney, at a leadership conference where every school in Canada uh, had a, a leadership delegate. And uh, from there, I was selected to represent Canada at a world leadership conference in mm-hmm. Indianapolis, which was a really cool experience, you know, being 15 years old, having a trip paid for to the United States to stay there for a week and learn about leadership. At you went fi- by yourself? Yeah. Cray cray, right? Yeah. Never now. Yeah. My daughter's 12. Ask me if she's allowed to cross the street to get the mail. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> um, but for whatever reason, my parents, and I thank them to this day for, for trusting the process and allowing me to do that. But it was at that leadership conference where I understood, you know, the value of working together as a group and learned some very basic uh, leadership skills. But more than that, I learned about visionary mm-hmm. leadership and understanding where you're heading, mm-hmm. which, you know, is where I encapsulated wanting to buy, build and sell homes, which, you know, I set as a goal that by the time I was 30, I would do that. I think it's important to, to state that although, you know, you're buying, building and selling homes is way more that is taking part behind the scenes that many people don't see. When people see real estate agents, a lot of them have a misconception. Uh, And I only found out the misconception was all false when I started working for you. And I actually started to understand what real estate was really about, Um, especially when it comes to how much work goes into taking care of people. Um, For sure. And I appreciate that. And I, I hear your compliment in there. But I would say that it doesn't. It's not about real estate. It's about helping people and listen you can you can give a level 10 in anything mm-hmm. you know um you know you mentioned that it was my birthday recently uh, a buddy of mine who's uh, you know a longtime friend lifelong friend who lives you know 45 minutes west of the city wanted to get me something for my birthday and so he uh had asked my wife you know what what can i get ralph and my wife mentioned he actually he had asked he says where does he buy his clothes i'll buy him something there so he ended up speaking to Eddie Mariani, who owns the clothing store at the base of my building. You know, he's, Eddie's a friend of mine, and, you know, I buy a, quite a bit of clothes from Eddie mm-hmm. um, based on convenience, but more so based on service. Mm-hmm. So uh, fast forward to the evening where I'm celebrating with my friends, and uh, the we actually had a, a private chef cook a meal for, for my closest friends. Mm-hmm. And the chef pulls out this, this box, and he says, here, by the way, Eddie wanted me to pass this to you. I said, why the hell is Eddie... Mm-hmm. have anything to do with it. Eddie wasn't invited to the party yeah. either way Eddie had received the call from my friend got a gift card packaged it beautifully drove up to where I was having my birthday party celebration and then passed it to the chef and said gives this to Ralph went uh, out of his way to do it and went out of his way so my point is real estate yes there's definitely tons of facets that you know where there's an opportunity to go above and beyond but that's true in all of life like Eddie sells suits he didn't have to drive he didn't have to find out where my party was and drive there and drop it off. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So there's, there's, you can go above and beyond it. Literally anything you're doing. You know, just before we went live, we were talking with, with Max about, uh, you know, his experience in university. And really quickly, I can determine who are the teachers who are going above and beyond, who are the ones that are, are, are really passionate about what they do, mm-hmm. and, you know, you can see it through his eyes and, and you can hear it through his words, right? Mm-hmm. Chris, we are watching, talking Chris, about you. That was an attempt right there. That's an inside joke. Chris will understand that. Recently, you were ranked number three in the province for small teams in Remax and number 27th in the world. What were the challenges and obstacles uh, that you had to face to get to that point and that you are 
where you are right now. You have an amazing team right across in the other room. You know, you're performing so well. Um, what are what was one of the hardest obstacles? I appreciate that. And, um, you know, there's a, a million obstacles, to be frank. Uh, the obstacle, the, the biggest obstacle is the psyche. You know, Tony Robbins says that 80% of the challenges in a business is the lead, the psyche of the leader. Mm-hmm. And everyone sees someone on a stage or getting an award or, you know, you see these athletes that are out there, you know, hoisting some celebratory win. Mm-hmm. And you see that one moment. But what you don't see is the 5.30 in the morning workouts for that athlete or 5.30 in the morning wake up for me to schedule my, my trades and my crew and my mm-hmm. team. So there's a lot that goes into it. And in every one of those workouts, there's a challenge. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that there's not one specific challenge. Uh, it really boils down to the, the momentum that you can create and the consistency of good habits. Um, so, you know, in terms of how could we, you know, rank so highly out of, you know, so many agents doing the same thing. Um, my goal is not to be number one in the world. I, I don't really care about that. All I really care about is, is doing a great job for my clients, serving the community well. Everything else will fall into place. And here's the thing about those awards. It's actually worse to get that accolade. Mm-hmm. It's worse if you're a musician, mm-hmm. having your first big record or album or single drop and it, it, it do really well, that's it's one of the worst mm-hmm. because it brings you so high and you it, it's really difficult to live that high. Eventually, you come down. And when you come down, you feel like you're low. But from a regular perspective... You know, I look at Juice World. I don't know a lot about this guy. My kids love him. I listen to his words and his lyrics. I want to cry. So mm-hmm. sad. And I'm like, and this guy was making big music, but he was not happy. And it's like, you know, you look at any musician, any athlete, any professional who reached like a massive accolade, whether that's an Oscar or, um, uh, you know, a Grammy or a, a, a position within an organization, vice president title or president title. Mm-hmm. If you're if your identity is tied to that win, happiness is so hard. Does success define happiness? No. No. Progress defines happiness. A big difference. Success is a moment. Progress is an action. Mm-hmm. Progress is not a moment. Progress is it's it's keeps going. Mm-hmm. You never finish progress. Success, you can say, hey, I did it. And and you know what? Like I've been there. I've been literally I've been on stage, like thousands of people. Like, here's your award. And I'm like, wow, mm. I did it. And actually, I had a moment about uh, two months ago. I, it almost brought me to tears. I was cleaning out my car. My kids had spilt uh, a liter and a half of chocolate milk in my trunk. Mm. Yeah, not good, right? That wasn't what made me cry. <laughs> uh, so I start cleaning out my, my trunk. And I'm like blotching it, trying to absorb the milk before it smells. And then I remember that there's this little hatch, which you you lift up, and there's like a subsection to my my trunk. I was like, oh, I forgot about this thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's supposed to be for a tire, but there's no tire there. And inside, there's this box from Remax. And Remax, inside the the box, is this beautiful trophy made of Swarovski crystal, and it's the Diamond Award. Mm -hmm. The Diamond Award was my, my singular vision from a business productivity perspective mm-hmm. so diamond award is awarded to uh, a real estate agent who can generate more than one million dollars in 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 income in a year mm-hmm. and i remember like just being a new agent or you know starting, s- off. starting off and looking i said man all those guys they're like they've got it together mm-hmm. you get diamond and you you got it like mm-hmm. you're you're set and i was like i want to be diamond i want to be diamond and i picked up this award now fast forward here i am in my career 15 years later i've been a diamond award winner for many many years Mm -hmm. so much so that the diamond award for last year sat in my trunks sub compartment covered with chocolate milk Mm -hmm. so that thing that i idolized for so many i'm talking about like seven or ten years i was like sleeping eating breathing i'm like one day i'm gonna make it one day I'm going to make it. And listen, for anyone listening right now, 
you can extrapolate that and make it whatever you want it to be. You want to be in film and be on like a major motion picture. You want to be in accounting and work for the top accounting firm. You want whatever it is that your like accolade is. I had it, mm-hmm. and it was it was objectified in that award. Mm-hmm. And then I got the award, and I was on stage, and I, I was I was overwhelmed with gratitude and, and feeling fulfilled. And then I put it away, and I've got them all over my office. They honestly just collect dust. Mm-hmm. And this past year's version was sitting in my trunk covered with chocolate milk. So my point is that idol that I was looking towards, that accolade, that success is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. So that's why chasing success will never bring happiness. Mm -hmm. It won't because there's always another one. There's always another one. I know I asked what your obstacle was getting to this point, but how about in university, what was your biggest obstacle? Because a lot of our students are university. University is tough. University is tough. To be honest, I think I think grade seven. I think grade ten. In my case, we had OAC, mm-hmm. so we had grade thirteen, and second year university. Those are some of the toughest times of my life. It's cr- it's crazy. It's crazy. And those are comings of age. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I, I watch a lot of nature, like I, I'm in love with nature, and I watch these really real nature videos. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you see this bird pushing like their baby birds out of the nest, like legit, like I'm watching a video of a mother bird that would kill anybody that came near her nest. Mm-hmm. And then she literally grabs them by the, <laughs> the back of the neck and throws them out of the nest. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But that's a coming of age for that baby bird. And the baby birds that can survive and make it through become adult birds and, and go on. University is the same thing. It is a coming of age. It is a growth point. And uh, I think the challenge in university is that the rules of the game change. Institutionally, it feels kind of the same. You have a professor. You call him sir or ma'am uh, or miss or mister. And you go to a building and you still read a book and you still write on a paper and you still have an exam. So you kind of feel like it's the same, but it's not. Because really, if you don't read the book, they don't care. Mm -hmm. If you're not prepared for your exam, they don't care. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's an excellent learning point or a practice, a trial run on real life. Mm -hmm. Listen, Revenue Canada, they don't come and hang out with me. They don't ask me if I understand the tax system correctly. They don't. Submit your answer. Mm-hmm. If you're wrong, we're going to come see you. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My customers, if I send the wrong message, if I don't do my homework, they don't call me. I don't get paid. My doors have to close. Mm-hmm. I have to fire staff. It's real life. Mm-hmm. So I think when you look within the confines of university, and I know you, you've kind of framed it as a lot of your, your viewers are from university, at, I think if we say let's eliminate the shelter of university and say what is life like at 21, 20, 22, 24 years old, it's, it's hard. It's hard out there right now. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's impossible. It's always been hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I know for anyone watching right now, maybe they're in university and they, uh, you know, have challenges and they're overwhelmed and they, I, I get that. I empathize. I've literally been there. You can make it through. You just got to find a way. It may not be the way that is commonly done, but there's a way for sure. And you will grow and learn from finding a way. My dad came to Canada at 20 years old, roughly the same age as a first year student or second year student, Max. right? Max is 20. So my, think of this, Max. My dad came to the country with no language, obviously couldn't speak English. Didn't really understand the financial system. Didn't really understand. He understood money as a concept, but didn't know how, didn't have a bank account. Didn't have any accolade or diploma or things that were relevant in Canada. And he basically got off a train and like went to an uncle's house and said, so like, what can I do? Right. Mm -hmm. And he found a way. So a guy that's sitting, you know, with like a hipster jacket on and like he's on his MacBook Pro in the calf drinking a six dollar Starbucks. He's like, man, life's so tough. I got midterms. I got Nah, bro. <laughs> it's way tougher than that. It's like way, way tougher. It's just, it's part of going from being a child, a dependent, to becoming an adult and being independent. Mm-hmm. That's what 
that's what university is all about, mm-hmm. right? You I, think- I, I studied amazingly perfect stuff in university. I have a Bachelor of Commerce in Economics with a degree in real estate. That's great. This is what I do every day. Mm-hmm. It was not by accident. 15-year-old Ralph knew this was the plan. He was mm-hmm. smart. But irrelevant of what I studied, knowing how to be independent, mm-hmm. holding myself accountable to the, to the actions or the lack of actions, that made all the difference. If you fail to stay organized and manage your time correctly, not only do you get affected by it, but I think what 50 people get affected by it. If you don't deliver your job, if you don't bring the money in, people get fired. People have to get laid off. People don't get paid. So how important is time management in your life and how important is it for us to start being weary of how important that is? Yeah, time management is definitely important. And, um, you know, time management is uh, a constant challenge, I think, for everyone. Um, from my study of it, it's not about time management. You cannot manage time. I don't own time, so mm-hmm. I can't manage it. Mm-hmm. It just exists. It's how do I manage my life around time, mm-hmm. right? And it's about expectation management. Um, this is a, a big part of, of learning and growing, spending time on the right things. Listen, I'm 40 years old. I run a multi-million dollar company. I've got lots of staff. I've got lots of clients. I've got lots of responsibility. I've got lots of bills. You know, I, I call them uh, sleeping bills. Mm-hmm. It means that if I just stay in bed, the bill is still there. Mm-hmm. Like I wake up, owing $3,000 every day. If I don't, if I don't do anything, I'm already in the hole $3,000. Mm-hmm. You have to find a way to do the right things. Elon Musk has the same 24 hours that I do. And, you know, uh, a person who's, you know, producing uh, at a low level, say in whatever capacity, if you say professionally or personally or physically, whatever capacity, they have the same 24 hours as Elon Musk. So it's what are you doing with your time? I think the biggest challenge in university for time management was nobody clearly outlined the importance of each thing. It was just up to you to figure it out. Um, I I think that learning to say no to things, and it's something you and I have talked about for years, right? Like you're a great guy. You're, You're a great, great guy, and you're super talented. And I think because of that, so you're a great guy, so you want to make people happy. And you're also very, very good, extremely good at what you do. Mm-hmm. So you're a really easy person to call for a favor. And because you want to help people, you're like, yeah, bro, I got you. You need a ladder at your house? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it to your house. Mm-hmm. And that becomes expensive when, uh, you're at, when you're dealing with a finite resource like time. This episode of Podcast with Strangers is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now or would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in a relationship or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve happiness. And now... You don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself, because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Podcast with Strangers listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash podcastwithstrangers. That's betterhelp.com slash podcastwithstrangers. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. So I was just saying um, about your, so it's understanding where to say no. When to say no. When to say no. And um you know, there were, can I can I tell a story of someone else, or am I am I rambling too long? Is this no? This is good, actually. Yes. Is it good? So yeah. So I'll tell you a, a quick story about time management, and uh, so I, you know, just because you're in university, and you're in the education stage of your life, doesn't mean that that ends. Mm-hmm. Education is forever, if you want it to be. 
And so I still take courses constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I was studying uh, from Darren Hardy, who used to be the, the editor and uh, publisher of Success Magazine. So a very, very successful entrepreneur. And he had the chance to interview literally the top, you know, 500 entrepreneurs in the world, like the Elon Musks, the Jeff Bezos. So he had great FaceTime with these, you know, uber successful mm-hmm. people. And, you know, he, he shared a story uh, where he got asked to speak um, by a multinational company to come and do a keynote. And they said, we'll pay you $25,000 to come out and do a keynote talk for our company to mm-hmm. do a year-end kickoff. He said, great, I'll do it. And then he had uh, was chatting backstage with some of the other people that were involved. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're so glad that you're here, Mr. Hardy. We actually asked uh, Sir Richard Branson. So he's the founder of uh, Virgin Group of Companies, Virgin Galactica, Virgin mm-hmm. Records. And, uh, and you know, unfortunately, he couldn't do it. And so Darren says, well, tell me about that. And he says, well, we actually we called him and offered him $25,000 to come and do this talk. And he said no. And then we had called back and said, we'll give you $50,000 to do this talk. Mm-hmm. And the response from his office was, I'm sorry, he cannot do this. And he goes, we'll give you $100,000, Mr. Branson, if you'll come out and speak to our our, our annual general meeting. And he said, no. And at this point, so Darren Hardy is explaining, well, I got pissed off because I got got 25,000. I didn't know I could ask for 100,000. So finally, the company went back and said, all right, we'll give you a blank check, Mr. Branson. You name it, one hour from the time that you're Jet lands on on the tarmac, one hour, you'll be back in the air. Give us one hour of your time, unlimited check. He goes, at this point, he found out that the company had already advertised that Branson was speaking at Mm -hmm. the event. So they didn't want to look foolish, right? Multinational company. And the response back from Mr. Branson's office was, regrettably, uh, we, we regret to inform you, Mr. Branson will not be able to attend. Mr. Branson has three distinct objectives for this year and unfortunately speaking publicly for any amount of money is not one of them he will have to decline basically decline millions of dollars decline millions of dollars and and darren hardy says oh man like he was talking to another person and and actually that person said if i had billions of dollars i would be able to reject that kind of offer as well Mm -hmm. and darren hardy says no it's because he has the discipline of rejecting what is not the top priority. That is why he's worth billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so often in our life, we're like, oh, man, I wish I could be so successful so that I could hire a gardener. Well, if you hire a gardener, you'll have more time to be successful. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can we move on to financial yeah, aspect? Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Financial aspect. Um, we got a question on our Instagram for you, um, which I'll sum it up. I won't say word for word, but basically uh, someone that's 19 years old who's in university is not doing any part-time work or has never had a part-time job because they think that it will affect their school life. In your opinion, do you think university students should be working part-time while in school? That's a fantastic question. Um, I do believe that you should be working while you're in university. It's funny, if we listen to the exact words you said, the student said, I'm concerned if I work, it's going to affect my school life. Well, I'm concerned that if you don't work, it's going to affect your life life. Mm -hmm. Right? If you are, if you have a singular focus, which is to be in school, I think that that's fantastic. That discipline is fantastic. I do believe that unless you're in some like there's some programs that are crazy 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 intense but even still i believe that there's some opportunity to gain life lessons from working when i was in university i had three jobs three jobs through my so one of them i worked at tip top tailors Mm -hmm. so i worked in uh in sales Mm -hmm. uh, selling suits uh the other one was uh i was a residence assistant i was an ra Mm -hmm. or a don every university calls them so a residence assistant on campus and then the last one is I was helping my family business so I'd come home on the weekends and help my dad uh, in, in in his family business so from tip-top tailors you learned how to be a salesman from being an RA you learned how to manage people and then from ceramics you learned about business so you got do it. you think those three are crucial to your success now yes absolutely 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and you and I have talked about the backpack of life, right? So we're kind of on this journey and you can put experiences in your backpack. And one day you need to reach into your backpack and grab something from that experience. Mm-hmm. So my first job outside of the family business was at Tip Top at Markville Mall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know anything about clothing, but I just wanted to help people and learn how to sell. Because I understand that selling, whether it's your job or not, is a really important skill set. We're all selling. Mm-hmm. My kids sell me on whether we should go to McDonald's for dinner, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, I sell my wife on whether we should go on vacation, and she sells me on whether we should update the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. There's lots of things that we, we go back and forth on. Um, but then I, during university, I took a position with um, the town of Markham in their bylaws and zoning department so that I could understand how the policies work within a town to get a permit approved Mm. and then i I took another position in the commercial real estate company in their research department um and then uh you know after i graduated i took like the the most entry-level position at madame homes that i could and those were all just adding experiences into my backpack which built me for today if you didn't you wouldn't have had all those experiences that's exactly my point Mm -hmm. and then so now we go back to that 19 year old that's wondering you know, what should I do? Um, I think you should work. I think it should not be your priority. You should know your priority. But just because it's something's a priority doesn't mean that's the only thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think the contacts that you can make while working can be just at, at even more helpful than the education that you, you gain in this university. Networking. The network. You know, it's not who you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. You can learn from anyone, literally anyone. Mm-hmm. What is your um, what is some financial advice that you have for students right now in terms of money? Treat your money uh, scarcely. Um, the you know, the thing that I laugh about in our culture is that generally speaking, you know, younger people are having a hard time, a really, really hard time buying a home and saving up for a home. I totally get it. I get it. It's expensive. I don't think that wages have caught up to the increases in terms of the cost of living. But I do also think that we have very, very sloppy spending habits. Mm-hmm. How come How come someone who's saving up for a home has an iPhone 12 Pro? Mm-hmm. You, should, you should have a Nokia flip phone. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You should have a pay-as-you-go plan. Mm-hmm. And when someone calls you, you say, okay, what do you need? Thanks so much. I got to go. Bye. I bet you if you're watching this and you're in university, I I could almost guarantee you that if you dropped your iPhone anything and got a Nokia flip phone pay-as-you-go, your grades would go up because you're not, you're not going to be on YouTube. You're not going to be on Netflix on your phone. You're not. No. And when you're on the go train getting home, you're going to read your book, not watch TikTok, TikTok right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about what's expensive, you could use expense in terms of the context of money. You can also use expensive in terms of the context of focus or time, mm-hmm. right? They're all finite resources. So somebody's in university trying to save up money. You know what I would do if, if, I were, if I were going back in time? I would buy one like really good like Starbucks-ish tumbler of coffee. I would make my coffee at home. Mm-hmm. I would drop my cell phone plan, go as pay as you go. We don't have to have unlimited everything. Mm-hmm. Unlimited sounds great financially, but for time and focus, it's very bad. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you, I remember you told me two years ago. was the last one? I remember... You said be weary of the exchange. Oh, be, be, be mindful or weary of the exchange of what you want most for what you want now. Mm-hmm. Can you touch base on do that? I'm, do I yeah, unpack that real yeah. quick? Um, I'm happy that that was impactful. Yeah, see, I, see I that. remember that. That's good. But do you, you remember me saying the words or do you remember the lesson? I remember the lesson. The lesson was you may want the iPhone 12 now, but you also want a house in 20 years. So what's more important? You got it. So uh, the story is actually, it's uh, religious based. Um, I saw a guy on Netflix. It was a a really cool program called death to selfie. So in, in uh, death to selfie, it's basically uh, an American Christian uh, pastor that is telling stories of the Bible and and unpacking it for people. And um, 
So in, in the special Death to Selfie, he describes a story between Jacob and Esau, which are, I believe, Abraham's sons. We're talking 3,000, 4,000 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So Old Testament, long time ago stuff. And basically, um, Jacob is the second born and Esau is the firstborn. Now, in that time, firstborn males got everything. They got what was called naming rights. Mm -hmm. So you maintained your family's name. Anything your family owned was yours, i.e. huge land, livestock, wealth. It was really important to be the firstborn. Mm -hmm. So the firstborn, this alpha male, went out to go and hunt. In the meantime, uh, Jacob stayed home, and he was just doing stuff around the home and made some soup. Esau came back. And uh, he, he was unsuccessful. He was hunting for three days, came back with nothing. He was starving. Mm -hmm. He came back famished, barely made it through the door, and said to his brother, Brother, I am so hungry. I've been gone for three days, and I have not eaten anything. Could I please have some of your soup? It smells delicious. I'd love some of your soup. And Jacob, smart guy, says, Well, I'll trade you a bowl of this soup for your naming rights. Mm -hmm. And the brother says, wow, like I'm so hungry. I need, I need this soup or I'm going to pass out. Fine, fine. I'll trade you my naming rights, which would equate to, in today's dollars, millions, millions of dollars. Like imagine your parents' home, their bank account, uh, their car, everything that your family owns, it becomes theirs mm -hmm. in exchange for this soup. And so he ate the soup and obviously realized later that it was a bad, a bad bet. Uh, or bad exchange and the, but the moral of the story is be weary of the exchange of what you want most mm -hmm. for what you want now listen those new jordans oh crazy what they only made like a thousand what 380 bucks like that's a good deal they should be 500 oh man i want them so bad but you know what that's gonna end up in the junk pile eventually of your life and when you go to buy a house and you're scrounging for every penny like in my day growing up, people used to buy like the, the best car they could afford, maybe six, seven, eight thousand dollars, and then spend twenty thousand dollars souping it up. Mm -hmm. They'd put in speakers, rims, mm -hmm. and then fast forward, I'm helping these same people buy a home and they have like so little money down and I'm like, Where'd your wealth go? Mm -hmm. And it went to two tens and a box. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's like over thirty five is gonna be like ah, and you guys are like, what, what the hell is 10? Yeah, mm. like two, ten, two ten inch speakers and a box. Mm -hmm. It's like, give you a lot of pound. Um, a, a question that someone said, asked was. Um, so let me go back. Go back. You had a question about how to save money. Uh, while you're in university, I think the key thing is to get through university. Mm -hmm. I don't think you have to accumulate wealth at this point. Mm -hmm. Your primary focus in university should be education mm -hmm. and networking. It should not be saving up for a down payment of your home. You don't need a home at 21 years old mm -hmm. in most cases. And if you do, you can get one just really far away from the GTA. What, when do you think our generation will be able to purchase a home? Um, I don't know if, if everyone's going to be able to purchase a home. I think that that's a sense of entitlement, which is overall kind of, uh, I think, a plague of, of you know, the subculture of, of being a, a millennial. And I'm not trying to, to insult people. Uh, you know, entitlement can be a good thing, but in, in a negative context, the the fact that I, I feel I deserve to own a home. I deserve to own a detached home in Toronto. Well, that's not. No one's entitled to that. You have to work really hard for a long time and make some really good moves and get a little luck on your side for that to happen. I think setting the expectation that you're saving up for your future is, is got to be the primary thing. And that might be through owning real estate. It might not be. Um, I do think that owning real estate is a great way to accumulate wealth, a very, very good way to accumulate wealth. When do you think the best time or age to get into real estate is? Well, they say the best time to plant a tree is 35 years ago. And the second best time is now mm -hmm. the best time to own real estate is as soon as possible. The next best time is as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know if that made sense what I said. No, there. I do understand what, you, what like, you're saying. You know, should but you, how? How? You just got to you got to find creative ways. You got to you got to get through university, pay your bills. University is expensive. Keep your money. I bought. I, listen, I went to university for four years. I mentioned to you, I had three jobs. My wife also worked through university. I bought my first home at 24 years old. I graduated at 21, mm -hmm. right? 22 actually. 
I bought my first home. Three years later. Three years later. How? So uh, that's a great story. So I, I was working for uh, Madame Homes at the time, and I was building a community called Cornell, which is here at Ninth Line and Highway 7 in Markham. And as I was building a home, I got a note from uh, upper management saying, don't let anybody into this specific lot. He bought the home pre-construction but cannot close. We're going we're gonna to cancel his contract. Don't let him into the home. So I could read between the lines that there was an opportunity there. So I knocked on the door of the president and said, I understand that this home is not mad at me. Yeah. Okay. For our division. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I knocked on the door and said, I understand that this home is going to be resold because he's obviously backing out. Mm -hmm. I said, I would like to buy it. And uh, it was a little bit of back and forth. And they said, fine, we'll sell it to you. So I had, you know, talked to my wife, which was just my girlfriend at the time. And I said, I want to buy this house with you. I wasn't even engaged yet. And in, in my family, my wife's family, you don't just buy a house mm -hmm. together. You get married first and then you do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I called my in-laws and I said, I'd like to talk to you. Can I come over during the day? That I, followed after you decided you want to buy a house? With I, I, wanted, I talked to Maria about buying the house. And then I went to their home to, to sell them on letting me buy the home with Maria. Mm -hmm. And Were I sat. against it? I, sure, super skeptical. Like, who are you, kid? Mm -hmm. trying to get my wife my daughter who's just your girlfriend tied into this home and i said well let me let me explain the situation mm -hmm. i don't want any money from you and i don't want any money from from maria mm -hmm. i will put all the money down i just want her name on title mm -hmm. so essentially i gave like my offering was i want to give her a house a house mm -hmm. and uh so that let their guard down and uh, they said yes but going back, we, we, we skipped here. You said, how do you go from university to buying a house? Yeah, you're 21. Sounds where crazy. Did that, where did you get that money from 21 to 24? So I saved like crazy. Saved, saved, saved like crazy. Now, keep in mind that the prices were less at that time. Mm -hmm. But my, my income was less too. How right? much do you need a down payment now for a house? You need at least 5%. My first property I bought was $330,000. That right. was 2000. That was 2005, more or less. Mm -hmm. So he, I, I want to backtrack because there was a gap. Your first question was, what does a university student do to save money? And then you said, how did you buy your first home? So there's two distinct periods that you missed the middle, mm -hmm. which was I got a job, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So I graduated university and uh, I had uh, a job lined up with an appraisal company. Uh, my fourth year, ready to go. Just as soon as I graduate, I start working. Mm -hmm. Two weeks before I graduate, John Galuzzo calls me, um, no relation to my, my wife, and says, you know, Ralph, uh, the job we had promised you, I need to delay it because the owner's son wants to take the, the position for the summer. Mm -hmm. You can have it in September. I said, what am I going to do for four months? He goes, just chill. I don't know, backpack. I said, I'm not built that way. Mm -hmm. I, got, I, got, like, I got ambition. I got, I got to get somewhere. So I, uh, I said, I'm sorry, I reject the job then. Mm -hmm. So I graduated with no job. You learned to say no. I learned to say no. Mm -hmm. And I knocked on the door at Madame Homes in their head office. I put on my best suit at 21 years old. And I said, I'm here to apply for the job. And the secretary there says, uh, great, which, which job? And I said, I don't know. Any and she said, well, which posting did you see? I said, I, did, I didn't see a posting. She goes, well, what the hell are you doing here? Mm -hmm. I said, well, I just know that there's a thousand workers here. My guess is somebody left last week or somebody's leaving next week. I'll take that job, mm -hmm. whatever it is. And, and they said, I like your tenacity. They started me in their head office in client care. And I took that job on the condition that I would be allowed to go out to site to build homes. Because remember, 15-year-old Ralph says, I want to buy, build, and sell my own homes. Mm -hmm. Right? And I put a timeline of 30. So I got this job with Mattamy. I was making $35,000 a year. And I set up what's called an ASP. So an ASP is an automatic savings plan. It's the best thing you can do if you want to save money you need to set up automated savings. Mm -hmm. That's the beautiful way of avoiding temptation of the exchange of what you want most for what you want now. So automatic savings plan. Uh, at the time, I was maybe making $700 a week, less than that, 650 or mm -hmm. something like that. And I was taking out $400 a week that went to a savings? separate bank account that I couldn't touch. Mm -hmm. And I did that. $400 a week crippled me, crippled me. But I said, I got to do this. Mm -hmm. And I did it for almost three years. Fast forward to the point when I sit down with my wife, who's very safe and very structured. And I said, honey, we should buy this house. 
She goes, I, you know, how much is it going to cost? I said, well, the mortgage is going to be sixteen fifty a month. Well, how how could we possibly afford sixteen fifty a month? And I said, I've been doing this for three years. Four hundred dollars a week is sixteen hundred dollars a month. I've been paying this mortgage for for three years. Mm-hmm. So all the life that we've had for the last three years, we can carry on that. Now we're just taking on a mortgage. So it went from that's already covered because you saved up already. You got it. So the savings was built, but the habits were built. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing. People say, "Well, how do I? How can I get a down payment?" You can earn a down payment when your saving skills are refined. Mm -hmm. Be a better saver. Be a more conscious shopper. You'll be rewarded with savings. To wrap up, what advice do you have for young adults as they grow up and become more independent? loaded question but what do you think is one of the most important things to keep in mind as a young adult growing into you know adulthood and then now becoming more and more dependent independent enjoy the ride enjoy the ride value the relationships i think i think staying in touch with with people that you have a connection with uh people that uh, that you care about i think that that's important um, you know, it's so cliche that it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Um, you know, value the journey. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's the special part. Just getting there. You'll never get there. So I guess that's my one. You're never going to get there. You're always going somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're always going somewhere. So don't look at the destination, uh, you know, as uh, the final. Don't look at life as I'll be happy when I get there. Just be happy. Find a way to be happy. That's the challenge of life mm-hmm. is finding a way to be happy right now. Ralph, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. This was thank very you. insightful. Uh, I think a lot of students are going to benefit from this because already my mind is racing on setting up that automatic savings plan. Can I give you one other piece of advice? Yes. Because you said, how, what about young adults? I think finding mentorship is critical. When I said the people around you, I think you want to be mindful of who you surround yourself by. And the time that you share is scarce. It's finite. Your time is not, is not infinite. When you give a minute to somebody, that's special. Mm-hmm. So find the people you, you care about that, that you can help and that they can help you. Spend time. Find mentors that are willing to help you Success leaves clues. You know, we've been friends for four years. for four years now, and and you've helped me a ton. You've been fantastic. You've been a great person in my life. I value you immensely. I think you're a great role model for my kids. I think you've been a great help within the business. You've been a great friend to me personally. I also hope that I've been able to encourage you in the right direction. I also hope that I was able to um, show you a perspective that may not be as obvious from your vantage point. And I encourage anyone out there to seek mentorship, mm-hmm. right? First thing I would suggest, if you're listening to this, turn off the podcast first, give it five stars, subscribe, <laughs> smash that, smash that like button, but hang up your phone and find three people that you could be a mentor for. Mm, yes. In fu- being a mentor for three people magically one amazing mentor will appear in your life. Mm-hmm. And people don't think that way. They say, I need a really great mentor. Well, fuck, be a good mentor and the great mentor will appear. That's mm-hmm. the way the universe works. That's the secret of it all. I've got amazing mentors in my life and my focus is who can I be a mentor for? Who can I assist? And the universe will conspire I to rem- help you. I remember you telling me that like when we first met, and then that's when I found Alan Ambita, Cynthia Anabali, and then you. And then right after, I became mentors to all these other kids. Think about all those grade 9s, 10s, and 11s mm-hmm. that, that called you three years after you left high school or two years after you left they're high school. And they're saying, we have this event. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Right? That's a great sign. That's mm-hmm. a great sign you're, you're developing to, to be a, a great human being. I think it's just funny that you mentored me and in turn, I started mentoring other people. But then when they come to me, I came to you. And I'm guessing at some points you go back to your mentor. I go to my mentor for sure. Exactly. So inspiration and ideas are kind of like a candle. I can have my candle lit and I can light your candle. But I still keep my candle. Your candle is now lit. Mm-hmm. Right? And actually, if you look at a candle, when, we, when I light your candle, the flame gets bigger. 
Mm-hmm. Right? When you're helping others, your flame gets bigger. Inspiration is like a candle. Yeah. Unless it's like a birthday. Then you just blow them all out. That's a very good way to segue into the ending of our show today. Everyone, make sure you go and purchase our candles that are just released. Yes. Our Podcast with Strangers collection number one, volume one of our collection. And Rolf, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank I you. think you've given us so much insight. And if you need more insight, they can, she can come in. See, you have to surround yourself by great people. I've got Carly here because I had another appointment that started at 115. And she actually had an, get into a small anxiety attack because I'm here on a couch with, with Matt and Max. Are you sitting down with us? Yeah, take a seat. Hey, that's exciting. What time is it? Hey, hi. So I mentioned surround yourself by great people. This is Carly DeBeer. Hello. Amazing. Wonderful. Jack of all trades. Wonderful. How many jobs did you have in university? How how many jobs in university? I had, uh, I worked at a gym in university and I also worked at Toyota in the summer. So, uh, no, not the pizza place. I did face painting also at birthday parties. So how many is that? So that was, well, I didn't have them all at the same time, so only two at once. But still a lot. That's more than some people. I guess so. Carly is a magician of efficiency and organization. Weren't you a magician at one point? No. <laughs> I did do birthday parties, but that was face painting. Yeah. That was Jack not. of all trades. Elf, thank you so much for sitting down with us and for all your insight. If you guys have more questions and need more advice, please go check out Ralph. Uh, his Instagram and his team's Instagram, and you can message them if you have any questions about real estate, finance, or just advice. Ralph will be happy to help yeah. you guys out. Absolutely. If you have any questions, you could definitely just uh, send a message. I'll do my best to help, even if it's just open the door to uh, mm-hmm. you know a conversation with someone else, uh, you know, or even if you're just looking for reassurance. This all would not be possible without Ralph. Let me just say that this all happened because of a series of a series of events, which begun with Alan Ambita, and then you, and then this podcast. And here we are. And now here's the thing. Here's the magic part. Someone's on an elliptical right now, and they may be listening to this. They may listen to this podcast, this one, but they may be watching you and getting inspired. And three years from now, something amazing can happen on another part of the world that was inspired by your actions and your actions. So. And the wheel keeps turning, the cycle keeps, circle of life. You got it. Peace out. Yep. See you next time. Bye, guys.